Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's going on, guys? Larry D. back here. Just wanted to uh, share this episode with all of my Chicago Bay Review listeners. Had the opportunity to be a guest host on the Football is America podcast. If you guys remember, uh, last month uh, in March, uh, I was kind of like their featured speaker for talking about the Chicago Bears. Uh, Ron and Kyle had me on the show to, uh, to talk everything of our beloved and apparently they were very impressed with me. So when one of their uh, hosts had uh, prior engagements, they asked me to uh, join in uh, on the discussion. So we had a good time talking about uh, uh, Tim Tebow, the Aaron Hernandez uh, verdict, and, and many other things, uh, uh, Adrian Peterson and uh, his suspension ending, uh, and, and tons more. So uh, enjoy the conversation. Subscribe to the guys on iTunes, and I'll actually be back uh, probably – today or tomorrow with the uh with the brand new schedule that came out uh, yesterday for the nfl and for our beloved chicago bears so i'll be breaking down the new schedule and uh how i think things may or may not turn out for our beloved in 2015 so uh enjoy the show and uh catch me on the flip side with the release show in the next couple days <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Football is America with Ron and Kyle. I'm Ron. I am Kyle. Uh, Mike is unable to join us today. He is doing duty or whatever, something something about Navy and a boat. So we have with us today a uh, big treat. We have Larry from Chicago Bear Review. Uh, great to have him on again. Very happy to have him back. Larry, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, guys. So how's the show been going, Larry? Oh, you know, it's it's that quiet period uh, of the, you know, of the off season. I mean, it's obviously going to pick up here for the next couple of weeks with the draft and and everything. But as far as putting shows out, I usually kind of hit the milestones in the off season with free agency, the the draft. And then when the obviously when the schedule comes out, I'll do a show for the schedule release. And then uh, we probably won't hear much from me until the summer when I start previewing the 2015 opponents. All right. Well, I mean, I had a chance to listen to the 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 most recent one where you're talking draft and stuff and thankfully you eased my mind on some of the Mariota stuff because I was getting I was kind of freaking out about it so <laughs> yeah that wasn't uh, that wasn't me that did the easing cuz I was the same as you if when you guys had me on the first time I was dead set against us picking Mariota but it was Scott Wright from from draftcountdown.com that kind of talked me off the ledge if you will so I I'm not 100% with it. I'm not 100% against it, but it's just, you know, I, I'm not going to completely freak out and start trashing furniture if the Bears <laughs> end up making the move for Mariota. So. I do find it interesting that both of you guys were, like, 
at, at that advanced level of worried because Ron was like really worried. Like I had to talk him down off a ledge a little bit one day. You know, he'd been like comment warring on Facebook and you know, someone he knows is from Oregon and then has that weird unrealistic bias for Mariota. And I, I of course have to like add a little gas onto the fire before I can make it better. You know, so. Well, my, it, my, my worry, and I even said this on the show with Scott was that. It, it has more so to do with the history of first round draft picks for the Bears. That almost never works out. Like you, you, you get more, uh, Mike Browns and Charles Tillmans from the second and third round. Like we got Lance Briggs in the third round, you know, guys like that. Then we do Brian Erlackers and Kyle Longs. We, there's, that's a very short list on the, we pick this person in the first round and five years later, they're still wearing a bear uniform. That is a very, very short list, but guys that we take in like second, third and fourth round, those guys are the ones that tend out to be lifetime bears. I definitely am with you right there. And, and, and Christ, that's depressing. I know, man, right? It is. That's God. why I didn't freak out when the Bears gave up two first-round picks to get Cutler. I remember talking to my best friend. It's like, hey, dude, we gave up two first-round picks. That's okay because our first-round picks always suck. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. <laughs> you know, and the So other word, that's why all the Bears fans were so okay with, like, the Colts trading for Trent Richardson. They're like, what? It's a first-round. It's no big deal. Yeah, it's, it's fine. No why? What's the problem? First-round first pick. No big deal. <laughs> Yeah, well, Kyle never lives down the Trent Richardson thing, so. <laughs> no, at this point, I've just wrapped it around me like a blanket and just, you know. Well, my, my other buddy, my other, you know, best friend is a season ticket holder to the Colts, so we've had many discussions about Trent Richardson. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Well, okay, did he start out positive, though? He did. We both did, because we were like, Jesus, the Browns are stupid. That's what everybody yeah. thought. They just gave Trent Richardson away. They're like two games into his second season. So we're, and he was injured part of his rookie season. So he's, he hasn't even played yeah. a full season for the Browns yet. And they're giving up on him already. They're out of their minds, but it turns out Cleveland turned out to be the smart one in that deal. Yeah, definitely. The, the part that got me was like, you said, it's like, Oh wow, this dude's so injured that he has to sleep sitting up. That's, and he's still amazing. All right. Yeah. Okay. So they let him go. All right. You know, that should have been a warning flag that they were even willing to let him go, yeah. but you know, whatever. And then the part I like is, uh, Chudzinski was the head coach that traded him away. And then he shows up the next year for the Colts. Like, Hey, remember me? I'm the reason you were gone, jackass. Yeah. Like, that's. <laughs> That's got to be hard to have that dude in the meeting rooms and not being able to stab him. Right. <laughs> um. So we have very little news really to go over. We have some. We're gonna get here to some uh, Aaron Hernandez stuff. A couple of player retirements. Go over some Steelers stuff. Probably get into the this crazy thing that happened with the Lions and the Bucks this last week or so. Definitely gonna be talking about the Tim Tebow thing that just happened tonight. So we're gonna be talking about that. Unbelievable. And uh, got some Adrian Peterson. Uh, news or opinion for the most part, and then also going into the Rivers trade stuff. So we have not necessarily a full docket, but we 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 have some fun topics. So let's uh let's go ahead and get started here. Is everybody ready for for news time? Sure, let's do it. You know I'm ready. <laughs> You're afraid of how ready I am. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. All right, so Aaron Hernandez is a now convicted murderer. Trial ended. Jurors calling Robert Kraft's testimony compelling. Defense gives away the convi 
conviction pretty much. Prosecution barely had a case. Lots of news here, lots of opinions, lots of just really strange things that happened during the trial. Kyle and Larry, what are your guys' opinions on it? Surprisingly enough, I paid attention to quite a bit of this. Um, I Like, I was schooling Ron, and Ron's basically a lawyer. I mean, as a <laughs> lawyer and accountant, we assumed for a while that Ron was Jewish, and then he set us straight by, you know, eating bacon. That was the only <laughs> way that he was able to put that one to bed. <laughs> that and he talked a lot of smack on Sandy Koufax. So, I mean, you know, that's a one-two that no uh, Hebrew can handle. Um, but with the Robert Kraft thing... You know, the jurors are like, okay, he tells Kraft, I was still in the club when Odin got murdered. All right, how did you know when he got murdered? The, you know, police don't know the exact time. And for the defense to say, hey, he was there, he saw his two buddies ice this guy who's his best friend and his weed connection and dating his fiance's sister. So they could have been brothers-in-law and all that, uh... Yeah, as, as a gamble by the defense that really I, – I don't know how you could have done any worse than do that because the jurors essentially said, like, look, we kind of knew he's guilty just by looking at him because he's a butthole, but you can't prove it. And so we're not going to find him guilty. And then the defense is like, oh, yeah, he was way there. It's like, but <laughs> – so these two guys murder a dude and then you're going to leave your, like, toddler child alone with them for 30 minute stretches no that's that's not how life is if you weren't at least complicit so now he gets to go to a prison that is a mile away from the patriot stadium with nothing in between it to mess up the acoustics so good for you buddy you get to hear it on uh on sundays yeah i hope they give him a window seat too <laughs> you know that there's going to be some sadistic jackass who's like of course we're putting him on that side why would we not that's the most hilarious way to do this Absolutely. it's funny do you guys know if they were able to recoup some of the money that they paid to him yet i haven't heard a whole lot about that yet uh, because you know he got like 40 million dollars well i think um like only part of that was like 11 or 12 million of that was uh was guaranteed they specifically structured his contract with the understanding that should he ever get into any disciplinary action, all of his finances would be recovered by the team. So if you get into a hypothetical scenario where that money went into a bank account and then it got transferred to the wind and all that, all right, now any of his assets that are not liquid go back to the Patriots. So they would be able to repo the house and his car and all those various things. I mean, it's a legal document that he signed and – like, I don't think Robert Kraft is going to take the food out of this, you know, toddler's mouth. I mean, he's going to wait until she can put up a fight to do that. So it's not going to happen right away, but it, they're going to get their money back. I know that this has been going on for a really long time, but this is just another glimpse into what the NFL has kind of become. And I know that that a lot has a lot to do with the the whole information age and being able to grab anything at your fingertips at any moment, no matter what. But does it not seem to you guys that the NFL just seems to be full more and more and more with guys that are just problem people or troublemakers or criminals or however you want to label it? It just seems like we're getting more and more, whether you're talking about Aaron Hernandez or Greg Hardy or Ray McDonald or Darren Sharper or Latroy Guion, that whole thing where he had a whole bunch of drugs and cash. I mean, it just I, – I don't understand – First of all, a lot of times what guys are thinking, I didn't grow up in, in that kind of lifestyle, so I don't know, so I'm ignorant to that fact, but I, I guess my common sense has always taken over for me. 
Well, I think the other thing that we need to keep in mind is that these guys, though they're extraordinary athletes and they're in the spotlight, they're also people. And they're human beings, and human beings do stupid things, and they make mistakes uh, and everything. So I don't think it's so much a reflection of the NFL as it is, you know, just society in general, you know, not to get too philosophical here. But it's just, you know, these guys make the headlines because they are who they are. And, you know, something that actually, and in a lot of ways, I think maybe being in the NFL makes it easier for them to do stuff like that because they think that they're, you know, above the law or that, you know, that they're, it's more accessible to get themselves into these kind of trouble. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Hernandez is a perfect example. This is a guy that basically skirted by, even though the red flags and the, you know, all that stuff was there, it got ignored by his high school coach, by Urban Meyer in Florida. They kind of looked the other way in New England until he finally went ahead and did something that couldn't be overlooked. Uh, and that's a very good point. I mean, we all think, well, once you get that money, you can walk away from that lifestyle. And the Aaron Hernandez's are the weird ones who enjoy it. A lot of these guys, they grow up with this mentality of you have to be feared and respected. So when you've got money, you know, the guys from your old crew are going to respect you. I mean, because now you're paying the bills. That's fine. But. You don't necessarily want guys who are going to hang out with you that are going to be like, hey, man, that guy cut you off. It's fine. Just let it go. They're going to be like, dude, are you going to let him get away with that? You're Aaron Hernandez. Go kick his ass. And that's where a lot of these guys go. They want people to encourage that destructive side and make them feel powerful. My problem is the fact that they actually go ahead and do it and don't look at it. And then and then common sense, that's where it goes out the window because common sense would, would have you think – I don't, you know, this stupid thing, no matter what it is, could cost me everything. It could cost me my reputation, which could damage things, you know, years and years down the line. And these guys go ahead and they do it anyway because they're thinking in the moment and not thinking, you know, not even a week into the future where their face is going to be all over SportsCenter for the next summer. My resolution for this and my idea, I guess, would be. You kind of treat it like the way that the military treats it. And I know that that's not a perfect system, but it, it technically it works. If, if you are a player who has had issues where you've been convicted of a, of a felony, a major one, whether it be domestic violence, abuse, you've robbed a liquor store at some point in your life or whatever, what, no matter what it is, you shouldn't be allowed to play in the NFL. In the United States military, you're not allowed to serve after that. If, if, you have major drug use problems. If you have major alcohol-related incidents, DUIs, or anything like that, you shouldn't be allowed to play anymore. It, for one, you're well, setting that's, you're setting a bad it, example for for future NFL players, and you are also damaging the brand. Well, I don't think the NFL is all that concerned with that. What with the guy who's likely to go number one overall in the draft, uh, pretty much, I think we can all say. There's too much evidence to say that he definitely did not rape a girl while he was at college. You can't say he definitely did, but uh, when, when an investigation gets messed up that badly, it doesn't do anything to clear the air. And and nothing's being made of it. Everyone's like, no, we're not worried about that. It's like you're not worried about a potential rapist going first overall. Like, oh, that's that's kind of bad. Yeah. Now, one thing. Nobody's talking about because they don't have the clairvoyant space brain necessary to read between the lines <laughs> and see that the lizard people are behind it like I have. But there's one thing everybody is aware of. Aaron Hernandez mouth to the jurors. You're wrong. So I went ahead. I went back. I reviewed 
the evidence. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what really happened. Ron, you are going to try and stop me. I'm going to tell you go right to hell. I will speak the truth. Tom Brady did it. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> don't don't worry. What I'm going to go ahead and unwrap this present, everybody. So here's how it went down. How does it go? Oh, we're going to go ahead and kill this guy. Why? Because Adrian Peterson. How? What? Okay, Odin Lloyd. Odin, patron god of the Vikings. Adrian Peterson of the Vikings. Dude murdered on Father's Day. Adrian Peterson suspended for fatherly negligence. So now Adrian Peterson will become a New England Patriot. Tom Brady orchestrated it. Aaron Hernandez took the fall. And that is wrong. That is not my America. Bill (laughs) O'Reilly. Wow, dude. Just wow. That I I don't even think I think Larry left. I think he quit. I think he's like, you know what? Nope. I made a mistake. Yeah, I think (laughs) think that maybe he's just stunned because his eyes are open to the truth. This is. Larry, how are you feeling right now? I feel like I'm in way over my head here, guys. No, no. uh, This is, Uh, this is, this is. He did not show this level of insanity during my interview. That did not happen. I didn't didn't think this is what I was getting. This is not how you spend a Sunday night, fellas. You just don't do it this way. Uh, Just whatever you're feeling right now, Larry. I deal with this daily. Yeah, I, so. I deal with this every second of the day. This is just normal how my brain works. You think I want to make these connections? I don't. I got a four-year-old in the other room eating pizza. I'm the only one responsible for her, and society is allowing that to happen. We have a problem. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. <laughs> Ike Taylor and Ryan Clark both retire this last week. Uh, the Steelers lose another big piece to their secondary with Ike Taylor leaving. And I, I say that loosely, I guess, with uh, Troy Palomalu also having left uh, that we talked about last week. And then Ryan Clark leaves as a Steeler. Great safety. Always gave everything to his team. Sucks that he couldn't have finished his career there. But definitely two guys that are now another another transition point, really, for the Steelers. Like We're, we're looking back on... What were the great Steelers defenses of basically our generation now? And these two guys are, are part of that. And Troy Polamalu is part of that. Brett Kiesel is leaving. Worlds is retiring. And I get that he's brand new. But, I mean, it looks like it, it, the, the defense is just drastically different. Dick LeBeau has gone. Looking at this Steelers defense, it has to be something that everybody's worried about. In fact, Neil Kulong from uh, Steelers Wire told me that he's concerned about the defense, but he feels like the offense is going to be able to overcome it, but he's really worried about being in shootouts all the time. This is kind of a, a new era for them and one that I don't think that they can overcome. I don't think that they're going to be able to stop the Ravens. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Bengals. And I know that that's saying a lot considering Andy Dalton has not been great the last year and a half. But But the defenses on those teams are not the kind of defenses you really want to rely on your offense putting 40 points a game on. True, but you you still look at the Steelers. Do you think the, the Steelers are the t- type of team who are going to score fifty points every single game? No, no, I don't. No, they're they're. I mean, they're a run first team. Yeah. Well, and I mean, Le'Veon Bell is super duper amazing, and nobody's going to debate that. But is he really going to be able to carry the load that much? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, super duper amazing, but he's been banged up for years, and I mean, he he was less banged up last year because of the. Uh, lack of hits he was taking because they're all going to Bell. But, I mean, how long can you expect this to keep up, especially if they're constantly on the field, if the defense is constantly just, oh, quick turnover, gave up those points, fine. Now we're back out there. I mean, it, it's going to be hard to say 
that the offense is going to be able to be the only thing getting it done. We saw so much of that with Peyton Manning's Colts, and it didn't work out a lot. Well, the, also, the, they're kind of like the anti-Steelers now, where they used to be kind of like the AFC version of the Bears, only they were successful. They were run first, and they were, they, you know, they built through defense. That's how they made their reputation. That's how they made their mark in the league. I mean, those championship teams, you know, they're, they were championship teams because they had the number one ranked defense in the NFL in 05 and in 08 when they won those, when they won those titles. And now we're going to have a defense that's a swinging gate, basically. And Ben Roethlisberger's got to throw his way to victory and get 400 yards and five touchdowns every week uh, to win a football game. It's, it's not a recipe for success. Right. And Ben Roethlisberger isn't necessarily the kind of guy that can do that. Like I, I know that he's very good, but having him drop back he, 35 to 40 times. Do a, it. Right. He can. Yeah. But if you have to have Ben Roethlisberger drop back 30 to 40, 35 to 45 times a game, think about that. Look, look at how, yeah. how badly he gets banged up. And granted, his offensive line might be better now. He's a big guy. He can take the hits. He never comes off the field. He refuses to. He could go out there. He could lose both arms and still completely insist on playing. I get that. But still, the fact is that even if you have a star out there, an injured star isn't going to be much better than having Jay Cutler out there at this point. The offense, can it do it? Sure. Can it do it all year? No way. No. Exactly. Like, you can count on Ben to do that a couple of times a year, no problem. But to say, this is what you have to do week to week, and by the way, they're counting on that now, and they're going to game plan for that offense to be a high-octane, shoot-to-kill kind of thing, that's a very, very different thing to go out there and do it with the defense prepped for it. It's going to be a rough year for Steelers fans. If they think that they're going to well, win this division, I, I think that they really need to sit back and really evaluate their entire thought process on well, that. And, and that's a problem because so many Steelers fans, like you give them this question and they don't know how to answer it without having that unique Steeler perspective. They're like, no, we're, we're a winning culture. We're used to winning. We'll find out a way to win and it won't even enter their heads that this could be a massive problem. And they, they're already like, planning their playoff run like you guys you gotta you gotta be at least a little concerned yeah not saying that the sky is falling but you know there's this is a problem let's go on to the incredibly odd thing that happened with the lions and the bucks this last this last week i i don't really know how to classify it it's part of the whole new cba restricted free agent thing essentially here's what happened the lions have a guy his name is george johnson restricted free agent good defensive end not great. Haven't seen a whole lot of him. That's why I can't classify him as great. He's good. He had a couple sacks, did some good work for the Lions. He gets signed to an offer sheet by the Bucks. The Bucks submit that offer sheet and the Lions dispute it. The Lions basically state that the Bucks used shady contract language. There were incentives or or bonuses of some some sort or distrib the distribution of the contract was going to make it less than what they were actually putting on the offer sheet. So the Lions disputed that. They got 10 extra days and they ended up trading him to the Bucks and got a pick out of it. So I find it weird, but in the end, it just kind of seems like the Lions were kind of whiners about the whole thing, and the Bucks did some shady stuff, whether or not it was intentional, which kind of makes them kind of the dunce of the whole thing. So another... No, Lovey Smith walked into an area. He thought he was buying Jello pudding, and then before you know it, he's picking out players, and he doesn't know where he's at, and so he sends out a pick to make it all fine. <laughs> And in other words, you know, the Lions are whiners, the Bucks are stupid, so it's just another day at the office. 
Cause that's, I was that's, just ripping on Lovey Smith. I thought you guys would want to get in on that. I mean, I know Ron enjoys ripping on Lovey Smith. In a, in a way, I don't, I don't know. Like it's tough. It's tough because sometimes you look back and you're like, well, he gave us some great years. And then sometimes you look back and you're like, what were you doing with some of your personnel moves? Like, <laughs> so it, it's, it's tough. So in this instance, when it comes to personnel moves, I guess he got the guy he wanted, but it just, it, it really is it was a weird situation i just don't understand it and nobody has clarified or nobody has clarified it yet i just if anybody else has any insight we'd love it send your emails to us we'd be glad to hear it lovey smith is like the kind of guy who gets into an argument and then he wants to leave the room and slam the door behind him but he accidentally walks into a closet <laughs> like like that's the dude i imagine when i imagine lovey smith and, and i'm not i'm not tough on lovey because i mean i when we first hired him I said he was not a Chicago guy. He's not a Chicago guy because he's not not Ditka-esque. He's not going to troll the sidelines. He's not going to get uh, animated or anything like that. So he's not really one of those Chicago guys, but he worked out way better than the other non-Chicago guys that we've hired since Ditka left town. And it's just – so I kind of have somewhat of a soft spot for Lovey because he worked out way better than I ever imagined he could have. Nothing enrages a, a Bears fan more than talking about uh, the Dick Duran years. Or even Dave Wanstead, for that matter. Yeah, that, that too, yeah. Well, yeah, but you guys are all crazy because you hold Ditka up on this pedestal when you really should be going, why didn't you get us more championships? Oh, yeah, that's right, because you were an ass to the players and they all started to hate you. Well, that might be the case, but there was there was a lot more going on, I think, there. I mean, especially when you look at like the whole thing. I know, but my point is, is, like, Everybody else gets hated on and Ditka gets a pass a lot of the time. That's true. I mean, that that's true. It, all you have to do is compare what Ditka did to what everyone else has done. And regard and, and yeah, we should have won probably three or four championships in the in the late half of the eighties and early nineties and such. But Ditka was coached for ten years. He went to the playoffs seven times, and we have not been to the playoffs seven times in the twenty five years since he left. So that's true. That's, that's true. That's why Ditka is, is held up high. And those other guys are like, get that bastard out of town. And you never know. I, I mean, like John Fox could end up the game. like John Fox could end up being that guy. I mean, it, it, that, that takes us to the playoffs three or four of the next, you know, seven or eight seasons. And people are going to start not necessarily forgetting about Ditka because no one's ever going to forget about that Super Bowl team. But people are it's going to ease it off a little bit, yeah. especially if we start getting especially if we start getting there, because. I mean, it's just been so long since we've had sustained success with the Bears, and so it, it's gonna be it's gonna be different. And well, it, you guys aren't tough. gonna know what to do with success once you have it again. <laughs> like it's gonna it's gonna be like uh, uh like with a puppy. Like you know that there's a potential for things to go wrong, but you don't uh, want to say anything. <laughs> just just like the sentence you just said. You know, there's potential for things to go wrong is the exact thought that came into my head when you made that analogy just off the top. <laughs> Buffy's like, there's no way this is going to turn out okay. There's just no way. <laughs> well, that's – that's you have no idea how much editing I do. All right. So let's, move on. <laughs> let's talk a little Adrian Peterson finally getting re- reinstated as of Friday, April 17th. Question is for you guys, is he still going to be a Viking next year? I just told you he's going to be on the Patriots. Why do you even need to do this? <laughs> well, for those of us, but no, there's, in the, there's too much bad. Blood. Yeah, it's exactly. But if if you listen to, to Zimmer, the head coach of the the Vikings, he's absolutely going to be wearing purple next year. Well, th- there was a lot of talk 
earlier in the year where they were talking, well, we own the rights to him. And if he wants, if he doesn't want to play football, he's not going to play football for anybody else. So he'll have to retire. And I, I guess I didn't really understand that because if somebody wants Adrian Peterson that bad, somebody's going to give up a first round pick for him. And you could easily use that first round pick to go after another running back in the draft, which is very plentiful this year. Yeah. There's a few good ones. Yeah. I mean, maybe not of his level, but still. And don't you think at this point a good a good clean separation from the whole thing would just be good for the Vikings? Really? I think it would be good for everybody. He was out there ripping on Ray Rice, and how come he gets to be back in the league and I don't? Well, Ray Rice, he didn't just apologize. He's on an apology tour where he's going, like, city to city and going, you guys, I'm really sorry, and very aware what he did was wrong, very aware he was not the victim, very aware of all the various external implications, whereas Adrian Peterson through the whole thing has acted like a whiny child who needs a whooping, which is ironic right. and funny. <laughs> I I don't understand why they would want to hang on to him. I guess if, if I was top brass with the Vikings, I would definitely say, all right, fine. You know, you don't want to be here. Fine. And you know what I would do? The first person I'd call up is I would get, I would get a hold of me some Jacksonville Jaguars or some Oakland Raiders or, you know, the Raiders are on the list from the last article I read. It was the Raiders and Raiders and Cowboys that are probably right, right. most interested in, in Adrian and Peterson. Cardinals. Right. I mean, if, and they're not going to trade. I, if, if I'm a team, if I'm, if I'm the general manager of a, of an NFL team and I have a star player who's not happy, he wants to get traded. I'm not going to trade him to a, another team in the conference that is already decent. I'm not going to do that. Why would I trade Adrian Peterson? If I'm, if I'm, Sitting at the top at the Vikings office and I'm going, you know what? I think I should trade him to Dallas Cowboys. No, why would you do that? That's a team you're going to have to eventually compete for should you make the playoffs. And any, I mean, that, that's a direct competitor. I would send them to like the Browns and let them suffer. Well, well, right now they're doing the same thing that the Bengals did with Carson Palmer. Like, yeah, we're committed to this. And that's, they, they got to stick to their guns on this one and let everybody know that they're serious because everybody's just waiting for them to crack and release him or waiting for them to crack and lower the price. And when we get a little bit closer to the regular season, everybody's going to go, oh, geez, they are not screwing around. And then legitimate offers are going to come in. People are going to wait until after the draft, see what they can get, see what falls to them, and then they'll start making offers for him. I don't think before. I think that the whole thing's kind of been mishandled from the beginning, and I think it's going to continue to be mishandled until he's on a new team. I want him. I, I don't want anybody to pick him up. He's been incredibly difficult throughout this whole process, just throwing blame everywhere but at himself. And when you start going, it's your fault, I'm not playing. No, that's completely removing yourself from any wrongdoing in this. And maybe it's just I, my own personal hangup, but it's like you put a straight up beating on a child. Like that's assault, man. You can't expect everybody to just forget about that one. And we actually had a few emails about the whole thing as well. Um, I picked out the top five. We had seven emails about it, and they were all great. So thank you to all those who emailed about this topic. I appreciate you guys doing that, chiming in after I had posted on Facebook about it. But first one we had was from Erica, who's in Minneapolis, and she said that as a mother and as a child development coordinator, which I'm guessing is kind of like – uh, daycare type thing. She said, seeing these types of injuries on a child is devastating to not me, not only me as a mother, but also to me as a child development coordinator. I can't imagine anybody letting him play football again ever. 
And that's that's kind of the sentiment from that side of the fence. We also had a uh, email from Tyler. He said, if it was up to me, the guy would get his lashings repeatedly every day until the end of his days, which that's obviously your opinion. And I, that that kind of seems to be the sentiment for the FBI searches computer searches computer FBI do it. That <laughs> um, you get some people that are on the other side of the fence who said the guy made a mistake. He's not going to do it again. Let's let him play football. This is a personal matter. This shouldn't uh, this shouldn't be this shouldn't be included into what is going to be his job. This is something that happened off the field in an off season that that this is, has nothing to do with him being a running back in the NFL. And we also got an email from um, Doug who said pretty much the same thing that if it was his employee, he runs a construction company. He says if it was my employee and I found out my employee had gotten arrested for child abuse and it was because of an issue where he disciplined his child and it was determined that the discipline was too extreme but he realized that it it was an issue and he's taking the steps to correct it which we're going to get to that in a second because I know what your 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 guys's opinions are going to be on this you guys but he said if this guy had come in to me said I have been arrested for child abuse I was disciplining my child somebody thought it was too extreme that's not their call this is my call he said that's not something I'm going to fire them for. Am I going to be concerned about it? Yes. Am I going to fire somebody? No, I'm not even going to suspend them. I'm going to let them play out whatever the, the entire situation is going to be until conclusion. He's like, and then I'll make my judgment at that point. The NFL didn't do that. They, they NFL does guilty until proven innocent and they will continue to do so. And it's only going to get worse. So that's his sentiment on, on the whole thing. Larry, I know that you kind of want to kind of jump in on this. Go ahead. Yeah, those last two guys are idiots, both of them, um, especially the yep. last guy, and here's why. Um, the whole thing about the construction employee and you know all that kind of stuff, your construction employee is also not being looked upon as a role model setting an example for all the other construction employees uh, in the world. It's, you know, and the other thing is, as we've said before, Adrian Peterson isn't, hasn't come forth to say that he has any remorse for what he's done, you know, and the fact that the matter is he's just, you know, honestly, as I don't have kids, at least not yet anyway, none of my own, but I grew up and I got spankings from my parents, but they never left bruises and lashes and hit me with objects or anything like that. So I'm not against corporal punishment. I'm not against him disciplining his kids. I'm against him beating the crap out of his kid like he did and not having any remorse for it. That I have a huge problem with. And those guys saying that, well, it's separate from him being a football player. No, it, it isn't. Obviously, it didn't happen on the field. But Adrian Peterson, the football player, the father, it's all the same guy. And I have a huge problem with anybody who just wants to turn a blind eye to it. It's really disturbing, too. I mean, the fact that people are, like, going to put football ahead of a kid. Like, hey, you know, it's a personal matter. That that argument's flat-out dumb. So, I mean, like, it was considered a personal matter when Aaron Hernandez shot his friend in the face and then dumped the dude out the car. Now, guy lived and he loses vision in an eye, but then decides not to press charges because he got paid hush money. So, if the same thing happened, like, oh, no, just it's his thing. How long until Adrian Peterson beats a kid so hard that that kid can't walk again or until that kid's face is permanently defigured or is dead? Right. 
And, and again, with that construction company, like that's such a non like, OK, now let's say dude beats his kid. And now you're con- he's doing it while outside wearing your construction company's, you know, T-shirt and the media is there. And now it's in all the papers. What, you're going to keep him? What if it's pedophilia? Like, I mean, you're going to go ahead and make us draw these arbitrary lines. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He did something incredibly wrong. And, and like with Ray Rice, we, I think, for the most part, are willing to forgive. We're willing to look the other way. I think if he hadn't had his worst career in the NFL right before, he'd be playing right now. But Ray Rice did this almost exactly right. And, you know, he's been apologizing like crazy and he understands his wrongdoing. Adrian Peterson has never come even close to that. And it's just made him impossible to like i honestly would be fine with the vikings saying we're going to keep his contract we will franchise tag him year after year until we know he can't play and he will never see the field because we are doing it just to spite him i'd be (laughs) totally fine with that because that'd be very funny (laughs) and another thing to consider here is that when they release the report and their decision as to why they were going to suspend him why everything was going down the way it was the one thing that stuck out to me was when adrian peterson decided to use the switch against his child, it became a weapon because due to Adrian Peterson's size, he is no small guy. This isn't a tiny guy. This isn't a regular, you know, this is Adrian Peterson. He is a professional athlete. He's one of the, the strongest, the fittest, the fastest people in the entire world. I mean, that's what he does for a living. So for him to use that strength and that speed against a four-year-old child makes that in itself a weapon. I mean, just just his just his attributes alone. Well, I mean, it's not even fair for him to use those attributes against a regular person, let alone a four year old child. Right. I've I've got a four year old daughter and just like the thought of it, like like Larry said, there's a difference between spanking and hitting. Nobody's saying you can't spank your kids. But when you start to go ahead and say this is moving beyond teaching a lesson, that's why our parents spanked us to teach a lesson. Hey, that's dangerous. Don't do that. Hey, you got to listen to me. You got to follow the rules. Don't do that. Nobody's like, I don't feel you respected me. You're not going to walk right for the next week. No, no, you don't do that. And that's what this guy's doing. I mean, uh, like you said, I don't care your parents hit you with the switch. That's, you know, back in the day, we didn't let people of a certain color in certain areas. That was wrong, too. We got to move forward as a society at times. Sorry about the reality check. It's horrible, and it continues to be a horrible situation. A lot of people, especially the people that emailed in, especially the commenters we've had, has stated that even even people I know that are Packers fans and Bears fans and well, fans of any team, for that matter, have said that they – Really, really liked Adrian Peterson as a player. They respected him. They they liked what he stood for. And now all of that respect is gone. And that will continue to be gone and probably for the rest of his career. And in fact, might prevent him from being a Hall of Fame player. And that's one thing that nobody has talked about yet. This is going to probably prevent him from ever getting in the Hall of Fame despite the fact that he is an amazing running back and has had Hall of, Hall of Fame careers statistically. And it, it's devastating to him as a, and his legacy completely. Well, I think and if- to go to that first comment that the lady had, you know, about, hey, education professionals, I think we saw the correct answer as to what should have happened through the masterpiece of cinema that is kindergarten cop. Arnold Schwarzenegger needs to fly out and punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board with that. Um, I think that that Peterson can get himself into the Hall of Fame if he does get his head screwed on straight and does his little Ray Rice apology tour 
uh, as well. At, at some point, it doesn't have to be now because apparently he's not feeling it now, and it doesn't have to be you know any time during his career. But if he's serious about wanting to get into the Hall of Fame, that at some point he's going to have to apologize for what he did. I don't think so. I think that the only way he gets into the Hall of Fame at this point is if he has, and this is going to be tough this late in his career, he'd, has, he'd have to have like back-to-back possibly another back of Ladanian Tomlinson type seasons. Like he'd have to, he'd have to have just outlandishly amazing seasons from this point forward, at least in the next two to three years to even be considered for Hall of Fame. Cause I just don't think that people are going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Just like I don't think anybody's, they're never going to put Darren Sharper in the Hall of Fame. And that's an extreme comparison. But when you look at it, do you, is, do, do but... you think that a panel is going to say, yeah, we're going to put Adrian Peterson in the Hall of Fame over, let's say, are they going to put Adrian Peterson in the Hall of Fame over Matt Forte? Yes. I mean, it, it, well, I mean, statistically, uh, statistically, you would, would say but yes, but character-wise, would you say yes? Could you, could you honestly? Well, I mean, and that's the thing about the Hall of Fame. It's like character and outside football stuff is supposed to be left out of it. That's how Lawrence Taylor got into the Hall of Fame, you know, because he was a cokehead scumbag for all those years. But instead, but you know, in the NFL. He was the sack machine, one of the greatest defensive players ever, so he's in the Hall of Fame. Well, a lot of his destructiveness was more self-destructive, and so it's easier for people to ignore. And, and there was also not the same media coverage. So, you know, there's a difference between a dude just doing cocaine like crazy and partying way too hard and a dude who calls himself Purple Jesus whooping the hell out of a kid and leaving welts on, you know, a four-year-old's testicles as we've seen with Adrian Peterson, I think he'd have to eclipse another terrible running back human being in the fact that he'd have to beat OJ's record and you know, to, to even have a shot at this point, because I, I, I'm with you. He's done amazing and it's impossible to deny his production, but he's definitely a butthole and it's going to be really hard to for years and years and years. I mean, everybody gets up in front of the panel and, you know, hey, here's my case for this guy. And then everybody voting is going to be like, you either bring it up and make it seem like it's no big deal or you bring it up and remind us how much we hate him for it. And it's going to be hard to look the other way at that point. What record does OJ have? Single season rushing yards, doesn't he? Eric Dickerson. Yeah. Whatever, Eric Dickerson, OJ. I wanted to make the joke about OJ. You just messed it up with your facts, jackass. I was like, what record does OJ have? What did I miss? It's like, okay. I was hoping I could sneak no, something sorry, in there dude. and then no, whatever. Eric Dickerson sucked too. Or maybe that's just a Colts bias against him because he was a whiner for the Colts. Uh, OJ uh, Simpson, longest record for driving the wrong way on the interstate. There you go. All right. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Adrian Peterson do that. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we have beaten that one in. So let's go on to the beat it just like Adrian Peterson. <laughs> well, <hi-o. laughs> I'm, glad I, I'm glad I get to edit that out. You softballed that one in there. What do you want me to do? <laughs> well, uh, not do that. I don't know why you have to edit that. That's just you soft. I mean, you, you set me up. What do you think my brain's going to do? Not force my mouth to say those words? That's not how I operate. You know that. <sighs> I need to get you some professional help. All right. Let's go on to the Philip Rivers trade talks because and this has become something that I read an article about almost every single day. Whether it be Philip Rivers to the Browns, or Philip Rivers to the Titans, or Philip Rivers to the Bears, or Philip Rivers to wherever Philip Rivers could go. The fact, in my opinion, is he still is a father with seven kids and a wife. And 
I don't think he's going to to want to uproot them and move them. Wasn't that the whole biz of him not wanting to play again for the Chargers was like he didn't want to go to L.A. And I mean, like, it's because, like you said, he's got a giant family because he's super duper Catholic. And, you know, he he's <laughs> yeah, well, he true. is. I mean, like not a negative, but. Yeah, he doesn't want to uproot them because then, you know, it's giant pain, seven kids. I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, the money helps, but there's a limit. Yeah, and I and really, Larry and I were talking about this before the show. We, the way I look at it is that he's not going to want to uproot them no matter what happens. If if the team isn't going to stay in San Diego, he's not going to go anywhere. I think he'll retire. I don't think he'll want to. But I don't think he'll want to move his whole family unless they're moving back home to North Carolina. That's it. Right. And the Panthers is not an option in this. Right. Uh, right. Even in the wildest scenarios, there's no Cam Newton for Philip River trade talks uh, going on there. And, and Philip Rivers is still too, too, too top flight of a quarterback to go to Carolina to back up uh, Cam Newton. He's not in the twilight of his career yet. He's still got a good three, four years left at least. Uh, for, for Philip Rivers. So for, for those, uh, I mean, if, if it comes down to it, then I guess that that's, you know, what it will be as far as, you know, then the question becomes, and I, what, will he be able to be away from his family for four or five months while he's in Tennessee or Cleveland or, you know, Philadelphia, God forbid, or wherever he may end up if a move is made? Right. And you're talking about, Philip Rivers for Cam Newton. I mean, the only way I could see something like that going down, and this is because now we're going to speculate because everybody else gets to speculate, and I think we should be allowed to speculate too. So we're we going to speculate. do it all the time. Yeah, well, we're going to do it even more. So if, Hells if, yeah. <laughs> if there's going to be a Cam Newton kind of trade to the Chargers, which I highly, highly, highly doubt, it would have it would have to kind of be in this, not this next year, but the following year when his contract is – close to being up like there's going to be extension talks there's going to and they're going to have to finally pay cam newton and he's going to get a lot of money and if the panthers don't want to give all that they could essentially trade cam newton to the to the chargers get philip rivers next year he'll move home finish his career with the panthers do that while they go out and they draft the next qb that's going to be their guy ron rivera is the coach there that would be the kind of quarterback that he'd actually want there to play the 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 run first, accurate guy that that plays well under pressure and is the kind of guy that'll pump his offense up. The the thing that I think all of this has to come back to and ground itself out into a little bit of reality is you know, what is Philip Rivers truly worth versus what is his perceived worth and I mean, if you're the Chargers GM, you're in that terrible situation where you got to get him to another contract. You got to deal with the possibility of moving the team. I don't think they're moving. I think it's all a ploy to get a new stadium, but you know, they're moving forward. Like they're going to Los Angeles, whatever. Fine. Um, the fans think he's worth a certain amount. Other people think he's worth a certain amount. Can you get fair market value for him in his current tenuous, uh, contract situation? I don't know if you can. Um, you talk to Chargers fans, you read the, uh, forums on their pages they're like we need three first round picks never going to happen he's not worth it you know even two first round picks that's a 
kingly sum to give up for that guy who's only got this year left on contract. Uh, it's, I mean, it's the sort of thing where it, you just, what, what are you going to be willing to give up for Philip Rivers anyway? I mean, what, what do you guys think he's even worth? I, I know in the trade scenario that I read most recently, and this is the one that I was talking to Ron about was I read Hub Arkis, who does, who covers the Bears in Chicago, wrote about a Philip Rivers to, for Jay Cutler trade. Now, I don't, I don't remember if he was saying that it was straight up. I don't think anyone would agree if that should be a straight up, uh, trade, but, you know, I think that uh, th- those are along the lines of the kind of trade you'd be looking at with, with Philip Rivers. It's going to be Philip Rivers for somebody else and maybe a pick thrown in there, uh, or maybe the pick and another body or, you know, it's another person, uh, to kind of sweeten the deal kind of thing. I, I don't see it for, you know, being Philip Rivers for draft picks. Well, the only. other thing you look at and going back to him being a father of seven and stuff is that, is this guy really gonna gonna take his whole family to Chicago? Is this guy gonna take his family to the to the Jets? Is this guy gonna take his family, you know, anywhere that for one is much colder than where he lives now? Let's go ahead and throw that out there. But two, a, a more volatile market. I mean, the criticism that what kind of criticism does Philip Rivers get right now with the Chargers? What kind? He's a None. jackass. Well, other than that, other than him being kind of a jerk and a rah rah kind of guy, outside of that. Chargers fans love him. Why? Because he's a good quarterback, and they they struggled for a long time without one. And so and now he they... does a great job of eating the roving homeless population of San Diego. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. Thank you. All right, but if you send him, if you go to a a market like Chicago or New York or Cleveland, anywhere like that, you're you are going to be under the microscope. Who wants to deal with that? Who wants to deal with that as a person? And then who as a as a wife or family member wants to deal with that, with that being your husband or father or anything like that. No one wants to deal with that. So like there's, there's just no way that he goes anywhere. I think the problem is that in, in most, in almost every one of these trade scenarios, you have Philip Rivers going someplace that really no one would want to go. No one wants to go to Tennessee because I don't see Tennessee getting any better anytime soon. So why would Philip Rivers want to spend the twilight of his career playing for one of the worst franchises in the NFL? Why would he want to go to the Jets when I still, I think they hired the wrong guy as their new head coach? I still think they're years away from contending because they're going to be paying for that mistake for the next three or four years at least. Why would you want to go, you know, to Chicago? I mean, I, obviously I'm a huge Bears fan and I would love to see Phillip Rivers in Chicago it would be a much more stable quarterback than, than Jay Cutler, but it's still so up in the air and what the defense is going to be and all that kind of stuff. There's just too many question marks. On all these trade partners, why would Philip Rivers want to go to any of these well, places? Well, let's let's be honest right now. His best chances of winning a Super Bowl are where he's at right now. Anywhere he goes from this point would be they would greatly diminish because no team that is ready to go to the Super Bowl is going to be trading for Philip Rivers. So everybody who's got a legitimate shot already has their guy, right? If after this season, he's like, all right, I've got four years of good football left in me. I want to get paid as much money as I can. And he goes, I'm just going to go to the Titans. I'll move my family to North Carolina. They'll be there. I'll be in Tennessee. It's a quick flight at the end of the day or at the, you know, on Wednesdays, whatever, back to, to home to spend some time with the family. That's, that's probably, honestly, his best bet is to go to Tennessee. I mean, that, that's family actually, wise. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you kind of frame it that way, is he really somebody you can see, given the current breakdown of NFL teams, given the current like playoff picture if you look ahead, 
is he really in a good position to win a Super Bowl? It's kind of an outside looking in. Like you could see him making the playoffs, maybe winning a game. Uh, I, I don't see him taking out the entire AFC and then whoever the NFC can throw up. I mean, I don't see him being able to defeat the Packers or the Seahawks or, you know, I mean, I just don't see it happening. So yeah, he's probably better off just collecting that paycheck and doing what he can. I mean, unless he thinks he has a great shot at the Hall of Fame and he needs to stick with his team and just continue to be as excellent as he can be, you know, try and get that jacket and whatnot. Yeah, uh, you know, fine. But he, he's in a hard place right now, no matter how you slice it. It's, it is a difficult position to be in. He doesn't have a Hall of Fame shot, and I don't think so. I think he just – and that's unfortunate. I don't think because so he's, either, but – he's. I, He's good, but he just happens to be in the same generation that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers are all in. And I just don't think he'll make the Hall of Fame because of that. I think – and if he does, it's going to be – he's going to be one of those guys that's inducted when he's like in his 70s or whatever. So, I mean, it's it's just going to be one of those things where it's, it's he's not going to be a first ballot, a, fir- a fifth ballot, or a 20th ballot. He would, he would have to be – he would wait a really long time to get in. But anyway, you guys, we got to shift on to another quarterback – that hasn't played since 2012, Tim Tebow. Tonight was reportedly signed by the Eagles, was going to sign his contract on Monday, a one-year deal. Adam Schefter reported that the Eagles were trying to trade Matt Barkley before the signing, and so he he joins a crowded QB roster that is led technically right now by Sam Bradford, includes Mark Sanchez, and has Matt Barkley in there as well. Your thoughts, Larry? I'm over Tim Tebow. <laughs> I am so over, so over this guy. Uh, I just, I thought we were done with him. I honestly thought we were done with Tim Tebow. And I, and I just, I thought that the whole tryout with the Eagles, uh, a few weeks ago was his swan song. This was his last shot. They, you know, the Eagles didn't take the bait. So now he goes off and can continue to work for the SEC network and be the happy, smiley guy in college where he belongs not messing around in the NFL. Now, unless Chip Cully has convinced him and screwed his head on straight about not being a quarterback because he's built like a tight end and he's a fantastic athlete, unless that's what we're looking at, we're just wasting our time here. A very confusing thing to say the least. I mean, if you want to be that guy and be like, oh, now that you have the power of Christ on your side, nothing can defeat you. Yeah, I mean, there's that guy. He's happy, but everybody else is going, why? I mean, we were pissed off enough about Sam Bradford. Now I'm pretty sure that it's going to come out that Chip Kelly is like a lifelong Giants fan, and he's been trolling the Eagles from the inside out. (laughs) Oh, wow. Like the biggest setup ever. I mean, like, like, just just imagine that. Like, he just comes out one day when it's fired and just rips open his shirt like, you know, I love New York. What's up? Peace, bitches. I'm out. And just like. Everybody's like, so how do we even evaluate his time here? Like, he almost made the playoffs, but I mean, like, what what do you do with that information? Like, it could end up being like the biggest SNL skit setup ever. Of like, you know, so one time he was in Philadelphia and he had a chance to meet the the owner of the Eagles, and they were he was a complete jerk to him. So he was like, I he made it his life's mission just to destroy them from from that day forward to the, to include him becoming a great NF, a great college football coach to to an NFL coach <laughs> to add to add to your point Ron you bring up an excellent point and using my amazing wizard brain again I'm going to point oh. out when did oh. uh 
Chip Kelly start becoming prominent right at the supposed death of Chris Farley. Look a little too similar for this to be just a one to one. Hmm. No, they murdered the real Chip oh Kelly, supplanted Chris Farley, and this has just been a twenty year trolling process. I hate you right now. <laughs> I do. I just I, I don't uh. Uh, yeah. So this is actually one thing that we brought up earlier and Kyle and I had discussed was that if Tim Tebow was going to find a team though that he was going to be a quarterback on and was going to be even remotely successful given his play style and his abilities and his also his deficiencies, it was going to be the Eagles because the system they play is favorable to his style of quarterback play. I I guess what I'm getting at is Chip Kelly can build a offense around him. And I think this is an insurance policy, to be honest. I think that if they don't go out, if they're not able to get Mariota and however they're trying to do it, Tim Tebow could essentially end up being a guy they really actually take a serious look at to being the guy to run that kind of offense. Because we all know at this point, Sam Bradford is not the guy to run the offense that he wants to run. One, it requires too much mobility from a quarterback, which is why Nick Foles isn't there anymore. And Sam Bradford has has a glass body. It's, he's not going to be the guy there, I don't think. I think that if he is able to get Mariota, Sam Bradford's on his way to Cleveland. And... Mark Sanchez is just the guy that fills in and says, good job, pats everybody on the butt as they come to the sideline and fills in when the quarterback that Chip Kelly hangs out to dry in his offense gets murdered on the football field. I can't imagine that Sam Bradford is going to be the guy, and I think that this is actually a really favorable spot for Tim Tebow to be in. He can't be worse than Matt Barkley. I mean, he just – he can't. He's had moments where – People were like, wow, maybe he can do it. I mean, those moments were usually after about 55 minutes of absolutely head-scratchingly terrible play, but they were there. They happened. So, yeah, like you said, it's a good fit in theory. We'll see what happens in training camp. I'm. It, it's hard to completely hate the move, at least in terms of it works to Tebow's skill set. And they're just kind of collecting quarterbacks there now, so... I still think they're going to find some way to end up with Mariota out there, and Tebow would be a pretty decent backup for Mariota. Yeah, that, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at here. So, Larry's done with it. So I guess. Uh, yep. That's <laughs> he just he doesn't even want to talk about Tebow. He just nope. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a little bit of time before we go forward, so I actually am going to do a little bit of fun with you guys. I want to do a little. What's more likely? With you guys. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you guys a question and then I'll tell you who's going to go first to answer. And then you guys will kind of give me what you think is more likely to happen. And it's, it's going to be fun. So here we go. Number one, Johnny Manziel starts five games or the Browns, the Browns draft a QB in the first round for the third straight year. Which one's more likely to happen? Kyle. Um, it's wait, third straight year. Really? Yep. Wow. Um, I, I, I got to imagine that they give him five games. I mean, he's still worth something in theory. So you're better off giving him a chance, at least in proving that he's terrible. Um, he, what, started two games and only finished one of them. So you, you got to give him at least a little more time. I mean, I don't expect anything to come of it, but they obviously took the the flyer out on him taking him 22 overall you don't take a guy 22 overall and give him one and three quarter games larry philip rivers gets traded to the browns or 
the Bears finally take, find a taker for Jay Cutler? Oh, um, well, I you know I would I would have to go with um, with the Bears finding a taker for Jay Cutler. I I just don't see that. I don't see that happening with Philip Rivers. I I just I don't. All right, for both of you, the 49ers win their division or the Packers do not. I'm going to say it's probably more likely that the Packers don't. I mean, there's not necessarily a huge contender against the Packers, but the amount of things that would have to go wrong across all three other NFC West teams to let the 49ers win. I mean, I'm kind of assuming that we're getting a reemergence of smallpox for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, the NFC West is hell on earth uh, right now with the with the Rams coming up the way they have Arizona and Seattle. It's just it is more likely that that, you know, Detroit, Minnesota or Chicago will finish ahead of Green Bay than. San Francisco will finish ahead of any of those teams. Yeah, I mean, you only need Aaron Rodgers to go down with an injury. You don't need the risen Christ to return or anything like that, like you would for San Fran. (laughs) So next one up is Sam Bradford plays the whole year, or Derek Carr leads his team to their first playoff berth in over a decade. Uh, I would go with Derek Carr on that one. Yeah, Derek Carr all day. Really? You guys think that, huh? You think... Huh. No love for Sam Bradford at all. Well, I'm sorry, but I have a m- ability to realize what happened over the past five years, and it turns out that he's made out of cardboard. I mean, he's probably more than likely just a fathead, you know, wall decal that's somehow ambulatory. That's it. He's also being coached by Chip Kelly, who, you know, what do they've got like five, six quarterbacks on the roster? Now you get half a bad, you get a bad half out of Sam Bradford. Somebody else is coming in. So I, I just, I don't see him being that guy that's going to, you know, just stick with Sam Bradford blindly and let him start all 16 games if he's not playing well. So Kyle, Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl to go back to back and then retires or Peyton Manning wins another MVP and then retires. That's actually a pretty tough one. Um, yeah. It's, I I think if it wasn't for the Tom Brady retiring at the end of winning back-to-back, I'd pick that one all day. I just don't think that he could win back-to-back and then retire because he's having way too much fun being a cocky butthole right now going around, (laughs) you know, everything has the number five on it right now. And I just, I swear to God, snipers, what are you doing? Take the shot. (laughs) So now that I got myself good and worked up, yeah, Peyton Manning. Somebody's got to do something. Come on, Isis. Let's go. (laughs) All right, Larry, I have one for you, and this is a good one. You ready? Okay. Yep. Lovey Smith wins Coach of the Year. Oh, God. Or Todd Bowles coaches his team to a division title. What's the third option? (laughs) You really do not like Todd Bowles. (laughs) I am not a fan. I mean, I I think, and and I talked to – Ron about this, or we were actually kind of messaging back and forth about it. Actually, was I? I think that the Jets screwed up in a big way when they hired Todd Bowles. I do not think he's a head coach. I just don't think he's head coach material. I think he's Wade Phillips reborn. I think he's an awesome coordinator. He when he's handling one side of the of the football field, and he is the man, and he is the disciplinary. He gets his you know his his ships are all sailing in the right direction. When he's taken off of that one task and now he's got to manage a whole football team, I think it's a house of cards and it's just going to come crumbling down uh, on top of him. So 
you know, I, I, I just don't think Ty Bowles is going to be successful. Well, well, I'll give you all that, but given the option, Lovey Smith being head coach of the year or Todd Bowles taking the team to a division victory, I mean, well, okay, okay, you got to then... take down the Patriots, and I understand that that means we're looking at, you know, the Vikings screwing up, and you could say whatever Tannehill and Dominican Sue doesn't do his thing, and the Bills, Rex Ryan, ha ha, and now you got to look at the Patriots. Okay, the only way that's going to work out is if Van Helsing comes out of retirement and goes ahead and fights evil that is Bill Belichick with the crucifix and the garlic and the holy water. And so I'd say that is more likely Van Helsing being real and murdering Bill Belichick is more likely than <laughs> Lovey Smith winning coach of the year. You know what? And and actually, all right, so let's let's backpedal then. Logically, Lovey Smith will win coach of the year before Todd Bowles. It was a playoff berth, right? Uh division title. Division. Oh, no, that's definitely not happening. No, <laughs> Lovey Smith will win coach of the year because it, in, in retrospect, it's really not that hard to win coach of the year. How many coach of the years in recent memory have won the Super Bowl? So Lovey Smith doesn't really have to do a whole lot to get coach of the year, to be honest. Okay. He's in the NFC South, one of the weakest divisions in football. He's as low as you can get at two and 14 in his first year. If he goes 10 and six and makes the playoffs, he's a coach of the year candidate just on that alone. So I would say that that is way more likely than Todd Bowles winning the division. All right. That's, well, that's actually a pretty good case against my whole Van Helsing creatures in the night <laughs> argument. Uh, next up, I have the Chiefs go two full seasons without a wide receiver touchdown or the Panthers win a third straight division title, which would be only five teams have ever done that. I would go with the Panthers. You got to go with the Panthers. The last time a team went without a wide receiver touchdown was the 64 Giants. It does not happen. It's in a, And they're going to go aggressive in the draft. You have to go Panthers. All right, so... Chip Kelly is holding the Lombardi Trophy by 2016, or Fast and Furious 7 wins an Academy Award. Ooh. I'm, I, I'm going to I, go with the Chip Kelly thing. I mean. Yeah. yeah. You're saying that like it's a hard decision. Fast and Furious <laughs> 7. I mean, I'm assuming that this is all about like dudes and like slightly homoerotic glances at each other and the cars are all metaphors for their genitals and all that. And you're trying to go (laughs) ahead and act like that's more plausible for the Academy. A whole bunch of white weirdos saying, yeah, this is art as opposed to Chip Kelly. Come on, man. He's a douche. He's not that big a douche. Fastest movie to a billion dollars ever. Okay, so that's an indicator of artistic merit. (laughs) <laughs> We're going to put this up on the same pedestal as 12 Years a Slave. Really? Fast and Furious <laughs> friggin' 7. Yeah, no, good question, jackass. <laughs> Unbelievable. He's only saying that because Vin Diesel guaranteed that Fast 7 was going to win, or excuse me, Furious 7 was going to win the best picture. Yeah, that's that's why I put it in there. Um, yeah, well, if actually, he did it, then that means he's got, you know, a knife in a whole lot of people's back. And then, hey, Vin Diesel, why don't you go ahead and guarantee the next Riddick movie while you're at it? Can't wait for that nail biter. <laughs> All right. Um, Let's see here. I think that, oh, we had one user submitted. Um, One here. Uh, Zach Mettenberger makes the Pro Bowl as a vote-in or Ken Wisenhunt makes the Pro Bowl as a coach. Well, to make the Pro Bowl as a coach, you have to be one of the division round coaches. Yep. Right. 
So it used to be you had to be, you were the losing conference championship coach, but since they're played right after the conference championship, those guys don't do it anymore. Um, so that means that Ken Wisenhunt has to, in the most likely scenario, has to at least win one playoff game and make it to the divisional round. I, oh man. Yeah. That's it tough. would have to be, what is it? The highest ranking, uh, or the highest seeded team eliminated in the divisional round. So looking at the talent on their roster, that's mathematically impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Zach Mettenberger, I mean, he's, he hasn't been good, but there's theories of potential at least. Yeah, stranger things have happened than yeah. Zach Mettenberger making the Pro Bowl. So I, I would have to go with that being the more likely scenario. All right. So lastly, we have what's more likely the Oakland Raiders move to the NFC West or the Chargers move to the NFC West in the event that the stadium is built and they do have to share. This is like what we were talking about with Lori and I. I mean, it's very speculative either way, but I get the feeling that it would be probably easier to move the Chargers only because you don't want to have to deal with the Davis family and all their nonsense that they go on about. It'd just be easier to talk to the Chargers guy and be like, look, we're moving one of the two of you. You don't have to deal with some of this stuff. Just do us a solid and we'll get you back in some way. If if I'm Roger Goodell, I just want to minimize having to use my brain and I just go away from arguing with the Davis family. I I would vote San Diego, but I think the more intriguing question is who do you swap them with? I think honestly, if they're going to move anybody and swap them, it's probably going to be the Rams because I just don't think with the the recent success of the 49ers, the success that the Cardinals are currently having and the success that the Seahawks are having, that they would move any of them out of their division. I think that they would take the worst team from the NFC West and move them out considering they're already moving to LA already. And they would probably, I think they'll swap the Raiders because it just makes the most sense. If you're going to take the bad team from one division, you take the bad team from the other and swap them. It, it, and it is the most logical, but. Like, but I also think you have a valid point. Nobody would want to deal with the media frenzy that would come with, you know, aggravating the Davis family. That's, that's the only, and and that's highly speculative at that. Uh, I think you would get more interest generated out of moving the Chargers, and it would allow them to be a little more relevant. If you move the Raiders, everybody knows, all right, you're just moving the garbage cans from the left side of the road to the right. You're not doing anything all that different. Right. All right, guys. Well, that's going to have to wrap us up. We're going to have to take off here. We have gone a little bit over time, but not too bad. So let's start with thanks to Nick Wright, our producer. He is going to be going through this and hopefully – hopefully fixing all the terrible things that Kyle says. That's mostly me, but I mean, Nick does a lot of really you, great you stuff for us like too. You it's not entertaining. It's entertaining as hell. <laughs> also, thank you to all of our sponsors, amazon.com, audible.com, also naturebox. Go check out our website, click our sponsor links, do all that. Go to footballsamerica.com slash naturebox, footballsamerica.com slash Amazon, audibletrial.com slash FBIA podcast or football is America. One of those two will help us out as well. We want to also thank our listeners. Hey, thank you for tuning in or streaming in or however you want to call it. We appreciate all that. Also, thank you to our military. We appreciate everything that you guys do for us defending the country. We're, we're big supporters and, and come home safe. Obviously, that's that's a big part of uh, our show. We appreciate your fan, your fandom, and all the the downloads and all the support we get from you guys. I'd say that 
uh, at least 60% of our comments and emails are from guys that are currently or former military members. Also, don't forget you can email us, ron at footballsamerica.com, kyle, K-E-I-L, at footballsamerica.com, or you can just email on the website by clicking the contact form, going through there. You can also catch us on Facebook, Twitter. All of our links are up there. Don't forget to send us those emails and comments. Those are the big things, and I'll be posting the new topic for discussion tomorrow, and that will be for next week's show. Lastly, thank you to Larry. Larry, thanks so much for joining us and being our guest today. I had fun, guys. Outstanding. Even though we had some breaks, uh, Kyle is... uh, has a uh, daddy duty today. So <laughs> yep. we have, we uh, definitely had some fun and cookie demands and we had a boo-boo on the thumb and uh, we had to deliver pizza and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's <laughs> oh, yeah. plenty it's, going uh, on today. Thank God that my kid is a well-behaved kid and I can pretty much just be like, all right, daddy's going to be busy. Can you sit here and not get into trouble? And she'll say yes and mean it. So I, I'm very fortunate in that regard. Uh, a lot of parents don't know how you could do that. Um, it's I got lucky or she just can't stand you and she appreciates these long breaks. Uh, no, I can't even play Talk into the about joke softballs. You threw that one out oh, there. For me. I just had to slam I had to do dunk it. home run. I mean, well, yeah, but like I can't even like the thing is because my kid, I'm the favorite parrot because. Like, my wife just goes right to yelling because she doesn't know how to talk to people or use emotion properly. And I'll be the one going, well, why don't you talk to her and explain that the noise she's making is irritating and why it's irritating. And then I'll be the one like, hey, Emily, uh, could you not make that noise because we're trying to talk and I can't hear you? Okay, daddy. And then no more noise. So I'm the favorite parent because I suck less. All right. Well, I well, mean, I, mean, I, I still suck. I mean, for crying out loud, like I know what I'm doing. I just know that kids hate being talked to like they're kids. So I talk to them like they're adults and they love it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to wrap us up. Hey, guys, thank you so much. And for all of you listening, check out the website and take care. Have a good night. Thank you to everybody. Mike, we'll get you on next time. Thanks for uh, keeping us safe. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.